Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 220. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. And while you're there, use the code word Combine Kit and you'll get 3% off of a set of Alliance Combine tires and rims. Uh, so when you're heading to harvest, you get super good traction. Also, go to Tractor Zoom and you'll find Iron Comps there, which is a great place to really dive into what's going on in the auction market and there's plenty of stuff to pay attention to here especially with the amount of equipment that we see moving all over the place so with that i have got my good friend aaron fennel how you doing bud uh average friend aaron fennel is doing pretty good easy on the good yeah you are average. That is no uh, doubt about that. Just kidding. We're BFFs. Just joshing you. We even have the uh, half-heart necklaces. Yeah, we do. Casey yes. just won't ever wear his. He's too big of a jerk. I've got moving on my arm, and he's got iron on his other. That way we're There we go. We flex, and it says podcast. Podcast all together. <laughs> That's nice. Come together nice. <laughs> Good thing you have moving, and I have iron. <laughs> <laughs> but... No, nonetheless, this has been a, uh, it's been a while since we've had a podcast where we just kind of talked about what was going on without a bunch of numbers thrown in there. So I thought, thank God, this might be, thank a, good, God, everybody. This might be a good one to do that. And we thought since, uh, since we are in that first phase of cutting hay, whether it's alfalfa hay or whether it's prairie hay or whatever it is that you're, that you're cutting out there. Maybe a good time to just talk about what's going on in the, in the hay market. So Absolutely. Aaron is a... How do you say this? Are you a uh, are you a a rural lifestylist when it comes to haying? Is that is that an easy way to put that? Uh, previously, yeah. previously we were classified as rural mm-hmm. lifestylists. Now mm-hmm. we are actual custom hay. Oh, look at that operation! You have a hay monster. No, no, we we use the tractor size bales. Oh, okay, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. I got you. I got you. All right. No, we're we're full bore, custom swathing, custom baling. Right on. Yeah, it's a well, good idea that. when you have livestock and a full time job. Why not? Yeah, why not do some haying? That's why what not? I would say. So yeah, when the uh, sun is shining, you got to make hay. That's you right. Make hay while the sun is shining. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So right now, obviously, hay is just about like everything else out there. There's not much of it anywhere to be had. 
the good stuff anyway. Correct. The stuff that you want. There's still some, you know, 535s and 530s laying out there. I'm sure you oh, hell that, that, this, you know, Don't that, discount a 535, man. That yeah. sucker will make a 2,000-pound bale. I like those because you can you can roll back the uh, the bell count. <laughs> yeah. Bills, you know? How many bales are on it? <laughs> well, 5,000. Well, last time year. I checked. Let me check the notebook real quick. <laughs> 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 yeah. Just so, watch those little wheels and make sure you're in the middle. <laughs> but so right now, but it seems like a lot of the traditional round bill buyer that we've had for right. the longest time. For the longest time, I mean, big square bales aren't anything new to the market. They've been around forever. Huston's made a big square baler for 50 years, I think. I mean, it's been around forever, since the 80s. 40. You know? So, I mean, it's been it's been around there for quite a while. So, it's nothing new, but it seems like as operations get bigger, less and less round bales and, and more and more big square bales are starting to kind of creep into that market share. Trucking. And that's exactly right. You know, so now you're starting to look at a machine where you can have a three by four or a four by four, something like that, which is very easily divisible by 53 or whatever number that you're throwing out there. And you can get a more uniform stack on there without having, you know, some like pyramid puzzle thing that right. you get put together when you're when you're right. doing it. So, 11 billion ratchet straps. Yeah. Or you got to build the pipe rack so yeah. you can hold them round side out. Yeah. And then yeah. only use 9 billion yeah. ratchet straps. Yeah. So, so nonetheless, so you're starting to see more of the big square balers kind of come into play. Um, the big, massive guys, that's all. Yeah. They wouldn't dream of a round bale, man. Right. Yeah. Especially like your dairies, your feed bots, those kind of guys like that are putting up big squares, right? Yep. It's, a, it's a bigger thing they're doing. So kind of when you're looking at stuff right now, Aaron, and you're looking around, what what do you what are you seeing most out there? Like where where is that value point at right now on, on a big square baler? Mm. Like what when should he trade or when is the best time to buy a used one? I think but I mean I think I'm looking at like it's not uncommon to see a five-year-old or a six-year-old big square baler with fifty or 60,000 bales. Right. right. That's not uncommon. Right? Typically, here, here's what I would say. If you're a buyer, stay under 20. Okay. If you are the guy trading it off, these guys all know that. Square balers have a magic number. It's 30,000 bales. At 30,000 bales, you don't want the repair bill. Mm-hmm. It's time to jump. Those guys all know that. 25 to 30, typically. It's right. going to depend where you're at, conditions, all that kind of stuff. Right. Obviously, out here, we're going to pick in a little more sand. Right. But we're dealing with very nice, beautiful, dry crop, whereas the guys in the east, they're not going to get you know, any soil, dirt, whatever, into the hay like we might. Yep. But it's always tough. It's always right. a tougher hay just because right. of the humidity. Yeah. Um, if I if I was a buyer, I would want to be under twenty, but there's also a big gap in price between that under twenty or the over thirty. If you can find that over thirty, maybe like a thirty thirty five, mm-hmm. and it's had thirty spent on it, twenty spent on it, that is a good baler. Right, it's ready for the next thirty. You yeah. know, and that's how I would kind of see it is. The the new buyer guy is probably going to run it to twenty five or thirty. The next guy gets it. He's had his. He bought it after the giant ass repair bill. He's right. going to run it that far, mm-hmm. and then he might keep it. Keep it kind of, for lack of a better word, patched together. Right. 
Um, and then it might, or he might punch out of it, and then it falls to bottom feeders like me. Right. <laughs> right. But you know, you yeah. know what's funny? We're we're talking about trucking, right? That's that is the number one thing that's driven the big square market. It's not because they're easier to feed or easier to handle; they're a pain in the ass. But there's way less of them. That's yeah. that's the beauty of yeah. it. The the thing to me that and and this is all hundred percent driven off trucking. The farmer producer who has a baler. They love, love 4x4s. It's that much less. Mm -hmm. Why would you want more bales, you know? It's a 4x4 is the modern-day Heston stack, you know? Yeah. Right? Or the old John Deere 200 stacker. Yep. The modern-day stacker is, or the modern-day 4x4 is that. Yeah. Um, But you fit two rows of 4x4s on a semi, three rows of 3x4s. Right. That is what drives... The three by four being the main baler in the greater Hay area. Right. There are pockets of eastern Iowa, parts of the I states, mm-hmm. and the upper Midwest where the three by three is very popular. Right. We could not give one of those away out here. Mm-hmm. They'd rather have a three string big square bale than right. or small square bale right. than a three by three big square. Which case in point, that's why certain companies. Don't even make a four by four. Crone and Heston is it. Heston, that was what they invented was right. the four by four. Yeah, the old forty eight hundred man. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So where <laughs> it, it it's funny to me when we get say that I'll just use the thirty the thirty thousand bale baler. When we get a four by four that size, it's gone. Right. Because an end user buys it because he's got a forty nine ten or a forty nine hundred and. That thing's shot, man. It's got 80,000 bales on it. Throw it on big iron, and right. we'll go get this 2290 Heston or whatever and go that route. Three-by-fours take longer, but as guys... Now, we're going to see a shift in that because right. as corn went from $11 billion to a penny right. over the last five years... There's guys who, well, we got to diversify. You know, we got to get, and and it's mostly guys not in the corn region, right? right. Not in the corn belt. Mm-hmm. That the fringe acres, they right. call it. Those guys have put in more hay, you know, during that time. Mm-hmm. And if and it's funny if if it was if it was for mostly for them or kind of like what I would call local within the county, next county. Right. That is still pretty much four by four if you have guys that are we put in we took out two circles we turned them to alfalfa we really like this we're going to do a couple more that's a three by four guy he probably bought the four by four now he's he's doing the math and tons per truck and all this and kind of just once you know if he went from one to three or two to four they ramp that up mindset changes and it's production of the product to sell just like crops right and at that point that's when you get guys calling for the fifteen thousand bale three by four the twenty thousand bale three by four that kind of thing so and then we have you know as as you know we are just king of round bale country Mm -hmm. you know no question right everything east of 385 is round bale (laughs) 
all the way to the next area code. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, the number of, the number of round billers that we they get sold out here are it's it's quite mind blowing how much that is. But so let's let's shift over here. So before you can bail the hay, you gotta you know you gotta go out and swath it. You gotta go out and cut that thing. So seeing some movement in obviously the self propelled swather is is very much a mainstay. But the one thing that I've found that is that has gotten a lot of attention over the last two or three years is the idea of taking a a tractor and putting one of those triple mount right. or, or a double mount type rear mount swathing you know conditioner type thing on there because it gives some guys some versatility right, right. you got now you've got a tractor that's going to do multiple things you have your bailing tractor that's also your swathing tractor that's also your whatever tractor you know so on and so forth all the way down the line and a lot of these guys are using you know a 300 horsepower oh, yeah. tractor they're using yep. a 350 horsepower tractor so not only is that tractor going to work in all those things i just talked about but you're also talking about tillage you're also talking about planning you're also talking about a lot of other things that are going to start playing into that and it seems like especially when you get into areas where chopping hay for haylage you know right laying down hay for haylage those machines obviously are a way bigger draw Right. Those those the the chopping guys are the ones who love the triple mower. Yeah, they can go out there with three hundred horse and thirty foot and fifteen mile an hour. Yeah. and eat anything they want to eat. And then their one thousand horsepower chopper mm-hmm. is behind the merger, mm-hmm. and they can just take on the world in yeah. the blink of an eye. Yep. And so I think that that to me, I mean, when I'm talking with customers about that particular unit. Yeah, it's expensive because you're factoring the cost of a... You have a 300-horse tractor in right. there. You're factoring that in there. But if you take the tractor out of the mix and you're just looking at the rear mount mower and the front mount mower and you add those two together, you're still cheaper than a self-propelled Oh, yeah. You, you, say you have 5- to 10-year-old machinery, right. okay? You trade in your, your main hay tractor right. and you trade in your self-propelled swather... And guys don't look at it that way. Well, I got to trade my swather, and it's worth eighty, and this other deal's like four hundred thousand right. dollars. Well, it is, but you're getting a tractor that you never even thought about owning before. Right. That's part of it. And by the way, that tractor will do anything else all the other tractors right. on the farm will. Yep. The nice thing about that particular tractor, one thing that I've got, especially guys that have more of a livestock situation, right, is that. That front three-point PTO gives you a lot of versatility that you wouldn't normally have. You're exactly right. There's not much in the crop world that that does you any good with, and that's not what the tractor's made for. It's not for the corn and soybean guy, man. It's not for the wheat guy. It's for livestock producers' feed production. Yep. Okay? Yep. And and that's, you know, a lot of, and even me as a salesman, I don't look at it that way sometimes, you know? Like... Well, when we when we do our our used tractor forecasting and whatnot, and be like, well, we need a couple front PTO and three point, but we want row crop tires on them because because that you know helps resell it, whatever. And it does that that helps you where you can sell it to that guy who doesn't give a shit what's on the front of it, right. which is the whole point of that tractor. Right. But your livestock guy don't. He's yeah. want, he wants the floats. He wants six fifties or eight hundred, yeah, or something like that. You know, you know? so you yeah. you kind of you kind of gotta. That's why we elect to go like four eighty duels right. instead. That right. way you can do you got yep. flexibility. Yeah. 
I think the one thing that I find, and this is really kind of the, the novelty of that tractor, is that the Dagelman blade, the Grouser blade, or whatever it is that they would typically put on a on a on a smaller row crop tractor, go clean pins and those kind of things. That that three point on the front gives you that ability to get right. that three point blade, and then you don't have to fight the stupid, you know, frame and everything else all the time, taking it on and off, or it's on your way or whatever else. Yep. You set that thing down, and you're good, and you're it's a tighter package, right? So you can get into some really you can really get into corners a lot better, exactly. Than what you can with there, and you still get the same. You have a third of the you're, yeah. you're a third less wheelbase, right? In that, and you big still have the flexibility arm. of having the six way blade and this that and the other right. thing, you know. So you can really make that thing work. But also the other thing too is on the front of that that tractor is that now when you're in that livestock situation, whatever you're doing, you don't have to necessarily where you have maybe your auger at. It's no longer that big of a deal because you can pull in or back up right. to hook up to it. Yep. You can load trucks faster in and out of the load and unload trucks faster in and out of, of that. And also just the ability to do um, whatever your whatever your grinding situation looks like. Right. You know, yeah. you have a lot more versatility when you come in there. So I think when people look at those that particular rig, I mean I think there's some opportunities there that, that are that are often overlooked in North America, whereas in like Europe, that's the main. That, yeah, that's they a, wouldn't even look at it. Like, self-propelled, they'd be like, "Why, why do we want that? Why would you not put a PTO and three-point on the right. tractor?" You know, those kind of things. Whereas, like the good old-fashioned New Holland bidirectional, which was kind of like that first introduction to the United States and North America for versatility. That, <laughs> versatility. Here's a tractor that truly it goes both ways. Yeah. Oh. Hey yo. Hey yo. <laughs> But they have they have the uh, that functionality of what that looks like and what you're doing and how those things work. I think to me, as more of this vertical integration becomes into some of these bigger operations where cattle is and they're not buying as much forage, they're not buying as much hay, and they're looking at going like, okay, well now I'm going to take these you know these ten pivots over here and that's going to be my 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 alfalfa patch or whatever right. these 10 pivots over here are going to be what I'm going to cut for forge and those kind of things that particular tractor is going to have a, I think more of a draw into that into that hay integration as you look at that absolutely now flip it back here and let's just talk about your your various wind rowers you know so you got your rotary cutter and the rotary cutter has actually taken a, a huge chunk of market share away from your traditional sickle machine. Uh, ninety-five percent. Yeah, so it's 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 made a it's made a big difference. Now, it also gives you, you know, you're talking a fourteen or a sixteen foot head. There's still a place for that sickle machine. There some, absolutely is in that situation. I will yeah. speak high, loud, and proud that yes, if you are a predominant grass hay man, yeah. do not buy a rotary. And it, let me rephrase that. Unless you're in the central or eastern time zone. If you're in the western time zone, do not go into grass hay, a grass meadow, with a disc mower. It'll do. Unless you don't really want a bunch of it. Right. It'll it'll make it disappear real quick. Yep. It'll blow it down. And yeah. If you have short hay. You know, right. if you have, like, one of them lush mountain meadows that's, <laughs> like, nipple high on, yeah. on me. I'm yeah. six foot six. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Go out there with your WT-35 and be done in 10 seconds but for the common man doing light grass hay the sickle is just supreme yep one thing i will say about some of these draper heads 
like the 30 foot drapers and stuff like that you can put on there they when they have when they have uh side discharge something like that those again those are another great machine when it comes into into the forge side of it right absolutely which we use those we have those all over in this area yeah. for millet yep and i've always thought that you know a guy ought to go out there of course the thing you got to remember if it's a chop crop it's very heavy yep more often than not and you're gonna know that every inch of that 30 feet is on the front of you right. trying to keep that keep the draper running right you know when it yep. gets that big and heavy yeah because you're you're with a you're you're a moist growing crop it's different than the the millet thing right. well millet's six inches tall but right canola yeah great big crop yep. swathed with drapers but it's at a different life stage right than Irrigated yeah. alfalfa, exactly. You know, exactly. or irrigated triticale. Yep. You know, something like that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So now you've got you've got all those things there, and we've kind of hit on here a little bit, but you can't talk about hay without talking about forage, right? So you got you got these choppers that are out there right now, and the choppers are running. You know, we're doing that that pickup phase of of haylage here, that early, you know, whether they're cutting rye or whatever it is that they're doing. You know, they're they're laying that stuff down right now, and they're really getting after it, but. That's the one machine that, unlike combines, there's not a lot of folks out there that are that are venturing past that. You know, here's the absolute biggest one you can get, and we might just go a quarter turn backwards to the second to the biggest one yeah. that you can get. Yeah, like there's no one out there going out there. I want you know, give me that. What's the smallest chopper you make? Yeah, I'll is, take that. is the ninety nine hundred the only one they make now? Because that's the only one I ever hear about. <laughs> right. You and, know, and but but also that kind of goes back to. A previous or, podcast we talked about where that's a that's a very much still that's a custom guy yes it's a custom dominated market yep 100 um, percent. even but even the guys that are doing it that are vertically integrated and do their own their own forge and those kind of things they're still looking at because there's you start talking about dry down and moisture and those oh, kind yeah. of things i mean and you know what i've noticed more than that they they might just be like the 6910 guy right but if he's going to trade, he wants a seventy nine fifty or an eighty eight hundred, right? Because yeah. he's going to get that neighbor and that neighbor. He's he wants to haul ass on his own right. and get done. So he'll do a couple neighbors. Right. There's a lot of that in the chopper world yeah. lately because everybody wants the big one. Nobody wants to be out there pussyfooting around. Yeah. And then you end up with everybody needs a class eighty chopper and. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that chopper marketplace to me is is a is a very interesting one, and it, more and more, just from the rate the, how, how how the cattle operations are kind of moving towards this, you know, with nutritionists really being heavily involved in what's going on oh, in these yeah. bigger operations, big that, time. That there's a a very defined way that they want that feed. Complex. Well, and we're to the point now. Nutritionists are riding in choppers. Oh yeah, you know, watching they're, they're, they're and, yeah, they're really paying attention. The guy whose stuff it is, he's talk to him. Yeah, yeah. you know, we'll feed whatever. Talk to him. He's yeah. he's the one that will tell you what we want. Yep, and that's that was uh, more and more of those machines are being sold to a nutritionist. Yeah, choppers are to right. a nutritionist. You're selling to the yeah. nutritionist, yeah. but he's not writing the check. Right, exactly, that's, exactly. His recommendation or her recommendation is going to go a long ways. Absolutely. Well, that's why we're seeing 
the big change is, you know, why in the last five years KPs have changed so exactly. much. Yeah. You know, you yeah. got one that's like, no, I want every damn thing in that truck powder. Right. And then the next one is like, oh, hell, if you can run a 10 knife drum and a no KP, have at it, you right. know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a bigger and bigger thing. So I think there's more. Um, hay is always kind of been a thing, but it's, there's more science behind the hay business now a lot than, than there's been in a long time. Yep. You know? the, the hay business has gone from zero to a lot of tech. Yeah. Whereas row crop has been flooded with tech all the time and it's just commonplace, yep. you know. I yep. mean, now you're to the point you can get, you know, all your, you can monitor the shit out of a baler and mm-hmm. scales and moisture and all that, even on round balers. Yeah. You know, you, you can, can just keep going with tech. Yep. Till you're blue in the face. Yeah, there's a, I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was a deal where you could, uh, every bell that comes out of the baler, it knows the moisture and the weight and the content of that. So, and it then it puts it on a map and you can see, okay, so bell number 256 is the one that you want to go pick up first because it's the driest or it's the wettest or whatever yep. you're trying to feed. So, that's that That sure is better than a can of red spray paint. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, this one, that one's a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> Feed that first. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot more uh, a lot more transactionary stuff has taken place in the hay marketplace or more, you know, like a guy told me, it was the first 30 years of, of you know, self-propelled windrowers, nobody really cared about if you went straight or not. They made one update. Yeah. Cabin AC. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then he goes, now, I mean, now... If your AB line goes out on your swather, you're probably going to stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, you like, know what I mean. Well, <clears throat> if you, you think about it, yeah. you know, especially you get like a W two sixty where nothing is going to stop that damn thing. Yeah. You can go cut ten inch oaks. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't drive that thing fifteen mile an hour. Yeah. And have any kind of and not have skips and all that. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. You know, with that side of it. Yeah. And it's it's all come back down to the, to the production efficiency. You're, of what you're, you're in doing. when you're yeah. in the high production world. Yeah. It don't matter if it's hay or corn. Right. Yeah. They rely on the same things to accomplish the task. Exactly right. They got to have the tech to be able, and you have to. Right. You can't drive a chopper. You know what you can. We you can drive anything. Let me back that up. Sorry, father. You you, but. But if you're out there, and and the custom world is go 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 efficient yeah. efficient efficient efficient. Yeah. They they have to have that to up their efficiency. Yeah. I will say that as a guy who's not into wires and switches, I fully fully believe they have to have it. Yeah. I will say you can plant with markers on an exact emerge at nine point five mile an hour a hell of a lot easier. Then you're going to drive that swather in a circle, one circle at 13 mile an hour, yeah. any day. I'll agree. Totally agree with that because it's. I'll be honest with you. It's. It's. Uh, so there you go. Hey guys. Yeah. You need the auto steer worse. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a plug for you. There you go. Yeah, that's that's definitely a thing because now you're looking at if you can save 30 minutes a field, and you extrapolate that across the day. I mean, you might be able to pick up one or two more fields. Absolutely. Because of that. Now, all of a sudden, you're picking up one or two more fields in a day. Next thing you know, you've got 10 or 15 fields done more in, in a seven-day period than you would have done normally. So right. And, it, and if you're on a circle, you're in high volume. Right. Right. And 
your 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 WR ninety nine eighty whatever the hell it is or W two sixty is going to eat anything you put in front of it. Right. Okay, they're going to eat it, and they will go as fast as you can sit in the seat. Right. Okay. Yep. If you can pick up, you know, do the math per circle, and it takes those guys no time to put down a circle. But you take a full one twenty to one thirty size circle, thirteen mile an hour, and are you doing fourteen point five on your header? 14, 13.5, how truly big is your gap? Right. You dial that in, and you're not steering it, and you're hauling ass, you start adding that up, that every six inches, that you can keep that much more in that head off that next pass. Oh, yeah. Makes there a you world go, difference. man. Makes a world of difference. So. Yeah, so good stuff, man. So good stuff to use, Aaron. Plenty of things going on. I would say that I'd like to pitch out a, a deal of the day on a Swather or a Baylor, but we don't have we any. Don't have any, so that but makes uh, keep your eyes on the ads, and if you see something, call. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, folks, want to reach out to you, get more information about what it is that you can offer, and what's the best way to do that? Uh, call or text me three zero eight seven six zero one one nine three. Also, pretty active on the Ag Twitterverse, and I am at a a ron fintail. At Twitter. Right on. Or on Twitter. On Twitter, yes. So not at Twitter. That'd at be- Aaron Fintel at Twitter.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Casey Seymour. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast, as well as any blogs I have posted. So also go over to movingironllc.com and you can find the entire volume of Moving Iron LLC podcast, as well as every blog post I think that I've ever written. I think it's there. If only sure. those volumes were leather bound yeah. and smelled of rich mahogany. That would be it'd be way cooler, wouldn't it? <laughs> way cooler. But also when you have to move it on website, make sure you go up to the navigation arrow, navigation uh, box and click on the Moving Iron Summit, and that's where you'll find all of the information about what's going on there from um, speakers, agendas, uh, hotel reservations, how to get registered, all those kind of cool things. A lot of good information there, great places to put faces with names as well as get the latest information about what's going on in the industry. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Aaron Fennell. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving